0: Good morning. I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. My first guest describes himself as a jovial Lancastrian who, for as long as he can remember, wanted to be a priest. And he was so inspired by the Jesuits who ran the college that he attended that, when the time was right, he studied was ordained Roman Catholic priest and in due course joined the Jesuits, drawn by their desire to serve all people whatever their need. He is Father Dennis Blackledge, and today he's the parish priest of St. Francis Xavier Church, close to Liverpool city centre. He's been a Jesuit priest for over 50 years, years packed with a varied ministry in many different places, including acting as religious advisor in Jimmy McGovern's acclaimed BBC drama, Broken. And we'll hear more about Father Dennis's life in a future programme. But wherever he is, his passion is for people, being close to them in their need, lifting them up, helping them to replace brokenness with beauty.
1: Beauty for brokenness, hope for despair. Lord, in the suffering, this is our prayer. Bread for the children, justice, joy, peace. Sunrise to sunset, your kingdom increase. For fragile lives Cure for their ills Work for the craftsmen Trade for their skills Land for the dispossessed Rights for the weak Voices to plead the cause Of those who can't speak God of the poor Friend of the week, give us compassion, we pray. Melt our cold hearts, the tears fall like rain. Come change our love. from cruel wars, havens from fear, cities for sanctuary, freedoms to share, peace to the killing fields, scorched earth to green, Christ for the bitterness, his cross for the pain. rest for the ravished earth oceans and streams plundered and poisoned our future and dreams lord and our madness carelessness greed make us come
0: and beauty for brokenness. Father Dennis Blackledge made a very brief visit to the island recently at the invitation of Monsignor John Devine to take part in a series of nine evenings of prayer, each evening addressing one of the problems that we face in life that can seem impossible to overcome. For example, grief and loss, sickness, unresolved relationships, injustice and inequality. Monsignor John invited different speakers to each lead an evening. And for Father Dennis, his theme was untying the knots of broken lives.
2: Well, two presuppositions. First, we're all broken. And second, we're all story-shaped. My story shape of brokenness will be totally different from yours. And where do I get this reality of the brokenness from? Because at the essence of a Christian life is Eucharist. There are four key elements in the Eucharist that Jesus took, Jesus blessed, Jesus broke, and then Jesus gave. And we can't skip any of those elements. What I was talking about was basically to accept the simple fact that whatever my situation is, Whatever the form of my brokenness is, I am totally, utterly, unconditionally loved and accepted and welcomed and hugged by God. And a lot of people don't believe that. I mean, just four simple stories from my last few weeks in the parish. I was called to somebody's home when their dad was dying. It was just the day before he died. And there were a couple of daughters... And one daughter, we got talking, and she says, I'm on step eight now. I really let my dad down because I became a druggie, but I'm on step eight now. I said, listen, gorgeous, I said, I love people like you, and so does God, because God loves broken people who can honestly admit that they've been down there nose down on the carpet. And you've done that, and you've been down there, and you're on your way right up. And to get to step eight requires great honesty. And the fact that that was the first time I'd seen her because her dad was dying and she'd made up with her dad and everything. I think of Andy and Leanne, who have two little kids, three and one. And Andy phoned up my pastoral assistant on a Sunday morning and said, do you think Father Dennis could come round to the women's hospital? And what had happened was they were expecting their third baby, 38 weeks gone. And on the Friday, they'd realised that the baby didn't seem to be doing much moving which is a bit strange at that stage. And so they went straight to the hospital. And then the next morning, the Saturday morning, they were told, well, actually, the little fella's died. And then she had to give birth, naturally. You know, Saturday night, the little fella, Ted is born. And the next day I'm with them, with about a dozen people around the bed, both sets of grandparents, the siblings, and other close relatives. And we had a little service around the bed. And I did a sort of baptism of desire, and I anointed both the mum and the dad. So they're broken because of that. Nothing worse than a parent of whatever age, mum or a dad. So that's another form of brokenness that they have to live with. But the baby will always be treasured, you know. I think of another woman who came a couple of weeks ago. She has two kids, 11, 13 girls. And the chapter that she's been living with the last year, not the dad, have been beating her up and of course domestic violence. It's a simple fact that one in four women and one in six men in our land suffers from it. And it's another fact that usually it takes about three dozen times of being messed about before they'll do anything and share it with somebody. Brokenness. A day after I go back from here, should have been doing a wedding, baptised their child last year, two lovely people, and just found out a couple of weeks ago it's called off. I don't know what the circumstances are, but a broken relationship. At the moment, it could be the loss of a loved one. It could be the loss of a close friendship. It could be loss of face and status. I mean, I think in the past of uh, priests I've had to accompany who've been accused, certainly one falsely, of abuse of children. And... um having to go to court and the victim has to live with that and die with that and so has the family because the pebble drops all over the place and so has the person who's been the perpetrator whatever the reason so there's that sort of brokenness there's people who've lost a good job i think of a friend who had a good job lost it at 51 was and he and his wife were just looking after the first grandchild He was 18 months old, but he had gone into psychological trauma because he'd lost this wonderful job and couldn't get another one and had been in the psychiatric unit for a bit. And one of the first days they're looking after this new first grandchild, what happens? He goes into the garage, gets a bit of rope and tops himself. So how do you deal with that wife and the three adult children? Another brokenness then you get loss of health. I mean, at the moment, I'm for the first time having to live with the knot of my blooming left thigh and my right knee, you know, which has really slowed me down. And I've been blessed with reasonable health. I've always been fighting the flab. I mean, some people are born with thick genes, I think. And I always tell the doctor, I've got thick genes. I had a brother with thin jeans, a sister with thin jeans, and a sister like me with fat ones, you know. So there's all those forms. It might be one incident, or it might be something in my character that I can't cope with. It might be something to do with my sexuality, because that's messy, because that affects physically me. It might be something, I might have a ratty temperament and i try and hold it back, but there I go again, you know because it's far worse to be unkind and uncompassionate what about the justice what about the kindness what about the compassion so it's those sort of things and it's saying to people look God's not bothered what state you're in now God's not bothered what you've done or what you've failed to done but he would rather like you to know eventually why for you to be honest And you might have an excuse, you might not. But to be open and honest with God and with other people. And for goodness sake, if it's something that you feel, oh, nobody can possibly be like me, nobody could possibly have this difficulty. Of course they have, there's nothing new under the sun. But it's getting over this hump of, really, of me, oh, I might lose status. I couldn't possibly tell either a friend, I certainly couldn't tell a priest or anybody else, you know. Might not be able to tell my husband or my wife my best friend but if they're genuinely best friends they'll cope no matter what it is so it's that how to hope and cope with my broken bits and my knottiness the only way to untie knots is to say well there's a knot If if you say oh I've not got any knots no no me I mean me perfect you know it's like I remember once a chap getting into a pulpit and saying name the father and the son of the holy spirit i'm second to none in my field i haven't a clue what he said after that because he wasn't humble or a person maybe comes up to you and says well you're broken-hearted aren't you no i'm not you're broken-spirited like no i'm not when you are and the the knack is to accept where you're at now prayer is not some remote thing but it's you in a relationship with the god who just wants to Give you a big hug and cuddle you if necessary wherever you're at now. So don't pretend it's real presence that the good Lord was, not real pretense. And brokenness is part of being realistic. It's part of being human and it's okay to be broken. So it's a very simple message. And in the end, it's go to Jesus. He is the healer let him reach out and touch you human touch is so vitally important and so healing that's why you know the church has this business of putting hands on your head and anointing you with oil for healing and it's healing of the heart and the spirit as well as the body and finally our god is compassion incarnate you know, there's that wonderful word that's so often used of Jesus in the scriptures, in the gospels. And I love it because in Greek, it sort of speaks itself. It said, o Jesus, and your are your guts. It's that gut love of Jesus that is constantly and forever reaching out to you as long as you'll let him. If you do let him, you'll be fine because you'll say, Lord, I'm broken but it's okay and I can get my nose off the carpet now and start to go up. And as I slowly go up, it's like that woman, remember in the story of Jesus where she was bent double and she couldn't see further than the ground. Imagine what it was like when Jesus said to her, listen, Mrs, look up. And she found she could. And you and I can do the
1: same. Come change your love from a spot. To a flame Lighten our darkness Breathe on this flame Until your justice burns Brightly again Until the nations
0: Thank you to Father Dennis, reflecting there on the challenge of bringing hope into broken lives. For my second guest today, I've turned to the Praise Archive, inspired by a recent newspaper article about Terry Waite. Now aged 80, the former Church of England envoy, who spent five years as a captive in Beirut, is still giving talks, most recently about the need for good, strong leadership. It reminded me of his visit to the island a good number of years ago when we sat in the church at Craig and recorded this conversation. In 1981, having spent many years travelling, dealing with the complexities of international politics, Terry Waite was appointed as the then Archbishop of Canterbury's Special Envoy for Peace. So, I wondered, how do you even begin negotiations?
3: You start by recognising that people are people that people don't normally, unless they are extreme, extreme fanatics, people don't normally engage in acts of hostility or terrorism without a reason. Terrorism and hostage-taking is, in fact, a symptom. It's not a root problem. It's a problem, but the root lies elsewhere. And I think sometimes, if I may be slightly critical, Uh, Some of our politicians have not been sufficiently able, for one reason or another, to really deal with the root issues. It's comparatively easy to get up and say, right, let's zap terrorism, you know, let's put on this macho air and zap them. It's much more difficult to try and understand and deal with the causes, the root issues, and... Then, now, to come back having said that, to directly answer your question, is I try and listen to people. I try and understand why they behave as they behave. And I try and find a way of moving away from that situation. In other words, to try and find a face-saving solution, which enables people to walk away with their dignity intact, rather than resorting to violence. If you're going to say to people, do not be violent you are obliged to practice it yourself. And I had a, a real test of that when I was in captivity. I spent five years in captivity, four years uh, alone in solitary, chained to the wall, sleeping on the floor in a dark room with no books and papers. So it was a, a lonely existence. But on one occasion, I w- went into the bathroom. I was let into the bathroom once a day. I, my chains were released. I had five minutes in the bathroom. When I got into the bathroom... I discovered that the guard who'd been in there before me had left his loaded automatic there. And I looked at it, and I thought, well now, i would had military training, here's a chance. But to use it, I would have had to shoot him, and I'd have had to shoot my way out. And I thought to myself, what have you been saying to these people in negotiating? You've said, when you're in a tight corner, don't use violence, use your brains. Now here am I, you know, being forced to look at my own words, and I said there was no way I can take that and use it. I called him back in and said, "Take it." Now, I don't say that for any other reason other than this: that it is important. If, 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 first of all, looking at that, it may have been a trap. I don't believe it was actually. I think it was genuine, a genuine mistake, but it could have been a trap. But if I'd have used it they would have robbed me then of the last thing I had left, which was my integrity. And I just think that's important to keep.
0: Let's talk for a moment about those those years in, in captivity. You had successfully negotiated on previous occasions, and he were in Beirut, taken prisoner in the most awful circumstances. Where was God in that for you?
3: Well, I suppose the answer to that is the same as he was in other situations, really. You see, one thing that I think some people don't seem to recognize is that religion should never be a form of insurance. It doesn't protect anybody against the normal ups and downs of life and the normal misfortunes. And sometimes people say when bad things or difficult things happen to them, uh, why me? Well, I mean, all I could say when a difficult thing happened to me is why not? I mean... You know, first of all, if you elect, as I did, to do a dangerous work um, and things go wrong, uh, you don't blame God. You take your own responsibility. I mean, one of the things about religion, as far as I understand it, and about the Christian faith, is that it says, take your responsibility, grow up in faith, grow up in God. Don't think that just because you've got it, then you're going to be protected by your, your faith. You'll be strengthened by it but it doesn't mean to say you won't suffer. And so that was the attitude that I took in those days. Often I felt alone, often I felt isolated, but I didn't lose hope. And there were three things I could say in that situation. I said, first of all, in the face of my captors, you have the power to break my body and you've tried. Because I was uh, subject to certain forms of uh, beating and so on at one time and a mock execution. Secondly, you have the power to bend my mind and you've tried because at times I was uh, subject to interrogation. But my soul is not yours to possess. In other words, there's a part of all human beings that uh, lies in the hand of God and nobody can take it away. And that very simple affirmation is enough to enable you to maintain hope and I go back to my earlier point about hope. If you can maintain hope, and if faith, uh, above all things, can give you hope, then you, you know you are halfway home. It doesn't mean to say, though, that it is necessarily made easier. Suffering is suffering. Uh, suffering is always difficult, whether it's suffering inflicted by other people, whether it's suffering as a result of illness or bereavement or a marriage breakup or whatever. It's always difficult, but it needn't destroy. And when it does come, try not to fall into despair. But of course, if you think of it, that is the essential message of Christianity, the symbol of which is a symbol of suffering, the cross. And behind the cross lies the resurrection. Now, whether you accept it literally or whether you accept it figuratively or whatever, what it actually says is that through suffering is not despair, through suffering is hope.
0: Part of The Peacemakers by Carl Jenkins, dedicated to all who have died in acts of violence around the world, particularly innocent civilians. A number of iconic peacemakers are remembered in various ways in the music, and in fact, the words that you've just heard were written by Terry Waite. It's a beautiful work, and I really would recommend it. That's all that we've time for on this morning's programme. Father Dennis will be back in a few weeks' time talking about his fascinating life. You will enjoy it. Listen out for the story about swimming with piranhas. All editions of Praise are available as podcasts and you can listen, download or subscribe for free via manxradio.com. That's also where you'll find the Praise blog. Each week, the Praise blog is the home of our Church Notice Board, but at the moment it's also the home of the Praise on Pilgrimage daily blog, where you can follow the group of us, led by Rev. Steve Ingruel, who are in the Holy Land, and we'd love you to make an armchair pilgrimage with us. To find the Praise on Pilgrimage blogs, go to manxradio.com, on the homepage click on Air, and on the drop-down menu follow the link for blogs. They're arranged in alphabetical order, so just scroll down to find praise. I'll be back next Sunday with a very special praise programme for Remembrance Day, and I do hope that you can join me then. But for now, this is Judith saying thank you for your company, and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week.
4: Station.